Welcome to the Winnow, a podcast about dining in the South and beyond. I'm Hannah Raskin, food editor at the Post and Courier. I'm Dave Infante, food reporter here at the Post and Courier. Hannah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here too. <laughs> what are we talking about today? Spice? Spice. Spicy. Yes. Spiciness. Yes. In a very particular context. Okay. What's that context? So the question was asked of me, and I, I love as a reporter, I'm sure you feel the same way, when you're asked a question that you absolutely cannot answer. Yeah. Right? Because now you got something to go find out. Right. Right. Uh, I Do you like, love that or does it stress you out? No, I really like that. Man. Yeah. I got to get on your level. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Now, I don't like if I can't find someone else who can answer the question. Right, like if right. my source can't add that, now we're getting into problem territory. But, you know, that's what it is to be a reporter. We know nothing. I It's 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 nice to, to not know. Um, so the question which was asked of me is, so when you go to a Thai restaurant and they say, how spicy do you want it? And you give it, it always. Tough question. Well, yeah, it could be, depending where you are, who you are. But what isn't at, at, at question outside of like some very specific districts where there's larger Thai communities is when the server says, how spicy do you want it? How would you respond? I mean, I have crippling acid reflux, so I would respond as not spicy as you can possibly make it. Okay. Emery, what would you say? Uh... As hot as you can make it. Okay, same. Okay. Well, okay. well, neither of you were helpful because you were both so incredibly extreme. Uh, I was looking for a number. That's the standard. That's the right. accepted standard. I didn't play into the you gimmick. You didn't play I'm the sorry. game correctly. I'm sorry. So really, you would say... Five. Three. There you go. All right. That's how the game is played. And so the question was asked to me, what does that mean? What's the scale? What's the scale? What are the units? <laughs> what, 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 are we, what are we talking what about? What is this? <laughs> what, is, what is the difference between a three and a four? Yeah. What's the difference between a one and a five? Like, what, what, what are we talking about? And I didn't know the answer. I mean, I knew we were talking about, you know, gradations, but I had no idea what the scale was. And does it slide? I mean, is there any, like, adhered to, you know, standard of the scale? Okay. So <laughs> I went to uh, Taste of Thai in West Ashley. Uh-huh. And I said, I, I, I want to know about your, your spicing. The one, two, three, four, five. He's like, yeah, one, two, three, four, five. I mean, this is this is the language of Thai American it's canon. restaurants. Yeah, I mean, it's it's in there. Right. Yeah. Yet no one knows what it means. So I said, okay, what does it mean? So he showed me. He said, you want to see? Yeah, I want to see. And he pulled out a white plastic spoon, same kind that I keep in my desk, just like you take on a picnic. Uh-huh. And he put it into the dried peppers, red peppers, and he filled it a fifth of the way, and he said, one. <laughs> two fifths. Two. <laughs> Three. I think you see where this is going. Yeah. That is how one through five is measured. So it's all eyeball, though? It's all eyeballed. So I then, he was the owner of the restaurant, so then I asked the chef, can you show me one through, uh, yeah, do you have a spoon? <laughs> <So it's> all, <laughs> which is, I think, the amazing thing, that it's, it is, it, it, at least this Thai restaurant is, is ruled by the disposable white plastic spoon. Right. So he shows me, same thing, one, two, three. Not even close. He measures it totally differently. There was no standardization between the owner and the chef? You got it. Of the same <laughs> restaurant. That's right. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So there is, this scale is the nuttiest scale. It's not the same in one restaurant. It's not the same at the next restaurant. It, 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 there is no, there means nothing. Yeah. Additionally, we've talked about this before, I think, in the context when I wrote about New Mexico and the chili peppers out there. Chili peppers vary wildly, not just between one another. I mean, 
in, on the same plant at the time of year. So they keep measuring it, and they know this. I mean, they do a great job over there. They make their they dry the chili themselves. You know, they do it. It's 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 you know totally from scratch. And he's like, yeah, sometimes a two is like a four another day. So here you are saying two. This is terrifying. Getting two-fifths of a spoon, and it's going to be hotter than a five would be a week later. Or at the, the same very same restaurant. Right, restaurant. Right, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I had no idea. I thought there was more of a system. This really actually unnerves <laughs> me quite a bit. Well, and that's the interesting thing. The whole reason the system came about is because Thai food, and they've, there's been a number of studies on this, Thai food still is not as mainstream as like Chinese food or Japanese food or other Asian cuisines. Uh, and so that's why the system was introduced. It gave people a feeling of control. Something to hold on Something to. Something to hold on to. And I'm sorry, but I've got to take it away from doing yeah, it. Yeah, you just like pierced the veil on this. I mean, I always thought, honestly, and who knows, I mean, everybody, everybody was wrong, me included. You know, I sort of, sort of thought like, okay, when I ask for five, I like a really hot, like that's when they reach for the oil. You know, like I thought right. it was different different spicing in some way i had no idea just straight I was up just quantity straight up quantity of the same thing wow. i had no idea see this is why i ask for as mild as you could possibly make it <laughs> that's it. i mean that's and so you were both right the two of you to really specify what it was you wanted and not use this number scale which is total bunk right so, yeah well i mean i guess like it <laughs> oh yeah because right not even the chilies are as consistent <laughs> no, no i was gonna say like no. at least it's apples to apples in the same restaurant but right the oh, the no. owner and the chef were doing something different and then all <laughs> Also, day to day, the chilies might be different. That's right. Yeah. So there's yeah. really, you err on the side of caution or. And, and, and I think people must have figured this out over time. And again, when I say people, I'm going to get back to this in a moment. I mean, American born eaters. Right. Uh, Thai, course, Thai American restaurants. I, I want to come back to that. But um, it sounds like the most popular order is three. People just say three. Give you know, three. it's like, you know, just split it down the middle. Right. You know, just give me a three. Yeah. Uh, that's where most people land. But my three, which I, at, when I was like playing the game here, could very well just be. send me over the moon. Right. Yeah. Or you could be like, where? This has no, no play, spice. No spice whatsoever. Which right? then sets me up for an even more devastating experience next time because I'm like, <laughs> I ordered a three and it didn't really do much for me. Like, right. I'm going to go to four. Right. And right. then if that's a particularly hot chili or the chef is feeling a little <laughs> spicy that day. Yeah. I'm doomed. So what I found so interesting about this as I got into the story is like, at what other restaurant do we specify our seasoning so precisely? Mm-hmm. Like, we kind of trust the chef, you know. We might say, oh, I like it spicy, I like it less spicy. But you would never go into almost any other kind of restaurant, like Chinese restaurants included, and be like, okay, here I want, you know, three-fifths of a tablespoon. Never. You Levels just, of spice, right, you let, yeah. you, I have, I have, I have information yeah. counterpoint um, yeah so when we were talking about chinese food the one i mentioned in greenville lose yeah um on their menu they have this system like oh, they on, also use the, yeah the they, they, use, they use the exact on the back page of the menu yeah it, it's actually a little bit more complicated it goes um so they have spicy dishes every spicy dish is denoted with a little yeah. like pepper icon is, yep. is, is common but um the scale goes so it says like you can get it normal spice Extra spicy, mm-hmm. and then beyond extra spicy, one, two, three, four, five, okay. and there's oh, like a little extra yeah. Style. There's oh, like a, there's like a chart that shows yeah. you. Well, that is interesting. <laughs> and so there act there certainly are. I don't mean to say that every restaurant in the entire country does it the same way. And so there yeah, are, yeah. you know. And so and also you have customers trying to understand the system. And so the the owner I spoke with, the people come in and be like, "I'll make it an eighty three, which is it's a five point <laughs> system. Like eighty three doesn't mean anything." 
anything. I don't think he has that many spoons. How do you, you know? convert from right. five? <laughs> right. And you get to the metric system. Right. Like, so complicated. <laughs> uh, so, right. there. I, I, and so, obviously, this is the other thing reporters do in addition to asking questions is we make these broad generalizations. So, it, it is true that there are places that you might specify spice, but for the most part, um, I feel like American diners tend to trust the kitchen. They, they don't go to a French restaurant and say salt two stars you know it's right. kind of figure the chef knows how to present the dish the way it's meant to be presented so this is where it gets extra interesting i talked to a scholar of thai cooking and she said well at this point it's like everything it, it, it barely matters because i was like isn't there a certain seasoning level that would be considered appropriate like aren't some dishes spicy and some dishes not so much and she said well of course but the deal is as in many cultures, Thai food is like a ton of stuff on the table at once. So it's fine. So something is incredibly sweet, but then you have something really spicy next to it and you balance yourself. Mm -hmm. So and she feels that by by going using the American way of eating, so you like you order soup first and then salad and then an entree, that Thai owners have, have screwed up this whole thing. Or, Thai, or American diners have forced yes. them to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. In right, order right. to be commercially successful, you they have it. had to adapt. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha, exactly. Gotcha. So I did, it, it, what I'm saying is the restaurants have fed into this idea that like if you want something spicy, you have to make that declaration. Right. Right. Because it's not like there's a bunch of dishes on the table where you can calibrate Correct. your intake Correct. based on those dishes. Right. They're serving. When you, as an American, go into a Thai restaurant, you order one, one dish. dish. Yeah, right. right. Or you so, order dishes that are coarse. Right. So you right, have right, a soup right, and that right. right. Exactly. So it really doesn't function the way it does in, in traditional Thai food. Correct. Gotcha. And so because of that, the chef can't really do what the chef wants to do. He's like, well, if you want something spicy, five stars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how it goes. The other interesting sidebar, uh, and I know we have other things to talk about today, but I had not realized this until I started reporting this story, is um, – there are so there, so now there are fifty six hundred Thai restaurants in the country, which is like nothing compared to say Mexican restaurants. Right, ten times as many Mexican restaurants, literally. Um, but fifty six hundred per capita compared to the Thai population in the U.S. is about one restaurant for every fifty Thai people. <laughs> wow, amazing, wow. right? And it's like, how did this happen? Because it happened all of a sudden, and this is really the fascinating part. It happened because that's what the Thai government wanted. They started a program. What? Yep. They started a program around 2000 to put Thai restaurants all over the world. And they offered small business loans to people who wanted to emigrate and go open a Thai restaurant somewhere. They helped them with menu development. This is this was the plan. Wait, this is really cool. Yeah, right? Yeah. I had no idea. Me neither. Yeah. Yep. Have other countries done similar things with their cuisine? Nothing like this. Where did they get this idea? I don't know. But it's a really smart idea. And they figured if we get our food out there, people will come to our country. Right. And it seems to be working. More people. I would guess that Thai tourism is up. I would think. I, I didn't actually. I wasn't able to, you know, do all of that kind of figuring. But it seems to be a success by those who have I mean, up. anecdotally, I also know people who have been to Thailand. Where right. I don't think that my parents could say the same thing. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Right. 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 This generation is definitely more aware of Thailand and Thai cooking. Wow. Is that fascinating? What a good, good <laughs> plot. Yeah really interesting. Shout out to the government of Thailand Absolutely. in this specific instance. Not endorsing anything else that goes on there because I don't really know. Right. But this particular uh, uh, plot to yeah. get uh, more buy-in internationally, that's brilliant. Yeah, really smart. Good for them. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. You mentioned that there, uh, or I wanted to like point out that 
while there aren't many like situations where American diners get to just like tell the chef what to do, yeah. one that came to mind was uh, cooking of red meat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the one. Right. Yep. And, and so, but that's, it doesn't sound like that's really the same thing because rare is rare pretty much anywhere you go, medium Correct. well. It's like there is a standard. Right. There. There's yeah. a temperature set. So you right. know what you're going to get. And also, I mean, that also contributed to my feeling that chefs don't like to be told what to do because you ask a chef for a well done steak and there's no telling what he's going to do with that it's steak gonna other be than cook it. Like, the worst cut in the refrigerator. I yeah. mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is not a steak that's going to be treated with respect, yeah. nor is the person who ordered it. It's your prerogative. You're if you want to order it. Go that for way. it. Go yeah. for it. But just know it's, it doesn't commend a lot. They are not pulling out not the nicest cut of meat. That's to, right. To, oh, yeah, let, me, right. let me turn this into a hockey puck yeah, for that's you. That's exactly yeah, yeah. right. Right, yeah. right, right. So that's why I always thought that there must be some resentment on the part of the kitchen when you say five star if, in fact, it's a sweet dish. You know? Right. Right? But. It sounds like they mostly made peace with that. I, I think so. At least chefs who cook in Thai American restaurants. Correct. That yeah. seems to be right. When I brought this up with the, the various Thai restaurant owners I spoke to, they were not chafing at the system. So Gotcha. It, yeah. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. I don't mean to say that there is a incipient, you know, uh, rebellion here. I yeah, think yeah. the system's gonna be around with it for a while. Even though it doesn't really mean anything. Correct. Noted. Uh, speaking of systems and international intrigue <laughs> and all that good stuff, I've been I we were talking about this earlier today. I've been digging in a little bit to um, what's going on with the tariffs that the U.S. is levying on yeah. the European Union, which is not a beat that I cover very often, but we cover food as a news beat here, and the news in that uh, in that section of uh, or in our section is um, that the United States is levying a between a ten and twenty five percent tariff on seven point five billion dollars worth of goods from the European Union, which is not a lot, to be fair. Like we import, I think, about five hundred billion dollars yep. uh, worth of products from the EU every year. So we're talking about a drop in the bucket here, yep. but it's a very important drop in the bucket to people like us and to the people that we cover because yep. a lot of the um, a lot of the items that are going to be uh, in line for this additional tariff, this additional tax, um, are specialty food products. So we're looking at, sorry, go ahead. I was just curious, so how are these items selected? Are these items that they think they're going to make more money on? This is just what people in blue states enjoy. So it's really, it, 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 it does have a tinge of like, you know, taxing the wine to own the libs yeah. type of thing yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but i think so my understanding of it is that we're looking at um you know the the u.s trade representative looked at a big sheet of products that we import um and identified stuff that was more agricultural um from the eu so we're talking about grapes and cheese and things stuff that's going to hit their agricultural uh their agricultural sector specifically because it has nothing to do with the actual trade dispute. So the underlying dispute is like a 15-year running feud um, between the U.S. uh, and Europe over um, how much the European Union subsidizes uh, Airbus, which is a maker of airplanes. Mm -hmm. Um, So part of the reason that apparently the strategy here is that the U.S. trade representative um, thinks that by making – you know, putting in the crosshairs uh, products that are so, so unrelated to this dispute, it will contribute to a sense of exasperation and um, uh, increase the pressure on European lawmakers to play ball because those farmers and constituents in the European Union will be like, 
they won't feel like it's their fight. They will just be frustrated that they're being dragged into it. And if you look at the comments in um, international uh, like press that have been you know reported on, it's a lot of that um, so far. Um, but yeah, it's so it's going to hit a bunch of stuff that that we like. So uh, right, absolutely. So how is the consumer gonna gonna feel it? Like. I like French wine. We do. We all like French. Where many of us like French wine. Yep. So the there's a couple of interesting distinctions. Not all French wine. Um, for, it's going to be wine from France, from Spain, and from Germany. Um, and it's going to be wine up to 14%. So that's actually not all... Uh, 14% alcohol by volume. Gotcha. Excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> I, I saw your quizzical expression there. I <laughs> wasn't sure if that was the amount of the tariff. So... You know, if you go to any of these like wine conferences in the last few years, everyone's been talking about the burgeoning sparkling wine of Great Britain. Yes. If Brexit is successful, do I don't know. Sparkling wine I know is explicitly excluded from this round oh, of tariffs. Okay. Okay. So, it's so no champagne, sparkling. We're good. Yes. No sparkling whatsoever. So not not an entry point for the UK. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. They have their own problems to worry about. <laughs> right. they'll, be, yeah. <laughs> they'll be sorting through those. Um, but this is this is uh, wine from, from France, from Germany, from Spain. It's wine under up to 14% alcohol by volume. Which, which is, all good wine should be. Uh, I think a lot of wine is actually above 14% alcohol by volume now. So some of the importers that are dealing with, um, with heavier varietals yeah. and, and more boozy varietals are actually probably not going to be touched by this quite as much. But a lot of the popular lighter wines that um have become in vogue over the over the course of the past few years um they will be and those wines will be taxed at an additional 25 percent um on top of what they're already taxed at and so we're looking at a pretty substantial increase and um i've got some calls in right now to some of our importers uh in the charleston area um to find out exactly what um, they expect to do to offset that increase or if that's going to be passed along to the consumer. And the general consensus so far seems to be that they're going to do everything they can, but 25% is just something that the distrib- the importer alone can't eat. Right. And it's not going to be – everyone along the supply chain is not going to play nice and you know eat a little of bit course. of their margin. Yeah. So it's ultimately most likely going to be passed on to the consumer in some form. Wow. Yeah. And it's also, you know, like there's uh, Aperol and Amaretto are yep. also um, yeah. also involved. So it's not just wine. Wine is sort of the one that um, is getting the most headlines. So a lot of different types of cheeses are mm-hmm. also being um, being tariffed. And um, I, I thought it was, you know, first of all, Charleston is a world-class food city and we have a lot of people who are very passionate about these products. So I think it's interesting from that angle. I also think it's interesting that Airbus's main competitor is, of course, Boeing. Boeing. Uh, which is another big employer here in, in yep. Charleston or North Charleston, I guess, specifically. So um, it's a good example, I think, of how um, you know these big international foreign policy decisions and conversations that people get very heated about on a political level also impact the local community in very specific and maybe unexpected ways. Yeah, it's really interesting. You say, you know, we do have a world-class food scene here in Charleston, but South Carolina does not have world-class wine. There's no question. So I also have a, <laughs> it's funny you mention that. Yeah. I contacted the uh, the American um, uh, oh man the Atlantic Wine Wholesalers Association. Okay, the Atlantic. Oh, no, I'm, excuse me. I'm already sorry for them. <laughs> the Atlantic Seaboard Wine Association. All right. That's uh, and so they they represent some big countries. They represent uh, or excuse me, some big states. Right. Wine producers. So Virginia. Virginia. Obviously, <laughs> is a very strong um, yep. wine. Uh, 
uh, industry. Yep. South Carolina does not really. So my question to them was, um, what's you know what's the potential impact and. Right. I'm not hearing that there's going to be much at all. I don't think that there's any significant uh, export um, of South Carolina wines anywhere, no. much less to the European Union where they have a lot of delicious wines. Right. But um, it should be noted that you know, with the World Trade Organization approving this tariff, uh, which goes into effect October 18th, um, the European Union is also as a case before the World Trade Organization, um, basically as a counter um, to these tariffs that it expects to to hear a ruling on later this year. So if and when that does happen, um, maybe not South Carolina wine, because again, there's not so much of that to uh, to impose tariffs on, but um, certainly uh, like specialty food products from around the the U.S. Uh, could face, um, you know. Uh, oh, they'd also be subject to tariffs. They would be subject to tariffs if they were to, to be exported, exported yeah. to the right. EU. Right, yeah. right, right. So it's an example, again, of how, like, they may just get drawn into this yeah. because the U.S. drew European specialty right. foods into right. it. So right. a little right. bit of a tit-for-tat situation there. Yeah, and, I mean, because I guess what I was getting at is that not only does South Carolina not have good wine, we have to be concerned about exporting. I mean, something like wine and cheese, it takes centuries to develop these industries for the most part. I mean, Virginia... Well, I mean, as you know, we, we've spoken on previous episodes about Thomas Jefferson. I know there's a long old, yes, history of, of planting grapes in Virginia. But the idea of Virginia having a, a wine industry is, is it's, you know, still pretty new. But for the most part, it, it takes a while. You can't do it overnight, That's right. my point. You can't do it overnight. Right. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, so that's one that is sort of still developing here, but I'm uh, – um, it's been interesting to see where it leads, and it's also it's a yet another reminder that we uh, are not exempt from the big st- you know food is not exempt, and Charleston no. is not exempt from the big stories uh, that are going on and shaping our world right now. All of those stories we'll cover here on the Winnow, also at postandcourier.com. Come visit us on the food pages there. Uh, Dave, how else should people stay abreast of what it is we're doing, what we're reporting on? Postandcourier.com forward slash newsletters. Uh, we run a weekly food newsletter every Wednesday. It is free. That's F-R-E-E free. Um, I edit it. It's not put together by an algorithm. It's a real person um, trying to add some context and value to help you understand the stories that are shaping our food and beverage community here. Um, and if you like what you hear on the winnow and if you like what you see on the newsletter and on the website, uh, please consider purchasing a digital subscription to Post and Courier. Uh, you can visit our website and hit that big orange button that says subscribe in the upper right-hand corner. And that's uh, that's a commitment that helps us um, fund uh, the work that we do here. And we really appreciate each and every one of you. Absolutely. And if you don't like what you're seeing, hearing, reading, we like to hear about that. <laughs> too seriously uh additionally you know if you have any questions like we talked about at the top of the show reporters love hearing questions or tips whatever you got i'm at h raskin at postandcourier.com i'm d infante at postandcourier.com and that's it we will see you again soon And that's all for this episode of The Winnow. The Winnow is a production of The Post and Courier in Charleston, South Carolina. It was edited and directed by me. I'm J.M. Ray Parker. See y'all later.